Hello. Yes, I am. Sorry. Praise God. That is such a powerful truth, words. It's so easy to, to miss that, you know, because it doesn't work like that in the world. But, you know, we're not in the world, right? Hallelujah. I've got a couple of announcements I wanted to, to mention. But um, coming up this next week, there's a, there's a lot of things. Next weekend, actually, we, we were wondering whether we should do it this week or next Sunday. Um, and we opted for next Sunday because T was out of town and Corin's in children's and she's teaching in ch children's today. But we, have, we were just looking through how much God has done here at Lake Haven this last year. This year in 21, it's amazing. It's amazing how God has really advanced us and blessed us. So we were looking through all the pictures, and we have a ton of awesome pictures about what God has done. So Corinne is busy comp was compiling a slideshow, and she was like, man, this is going to be, this is gonna be a, a big, chunky thing. So in any case, we wanted to talk a little bit about vision um, next week when we, when, we, when we get together. But we'll, we'll, save a, we'll save this slideshow of just how good God has been to us this last year. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about... Um, uh, about this, about the next coming year, next Sunday. We've also got a few things coming up here. Um, life groups, I want to encourage you, life groups kick off. We, we have a, three semesters a year. We've, December is one of our break months. And then, of course, in January, we kick off. Some of our life groups start right early January. And, but over the month of January, our first session of life groups kicks off normally for three months. I want to encourage you, go to lakehaven.tv and see what life groups you want to jump in. We've got, of course, there's so many there to mention. But some of the basic ones are... Um, our, our, our D groups, which uh, T and Stacy have, which goes through our found, foundational discipleship stuff. And it really is just a good grounding. If you're not familiar with Lake Cave and who we are, what our core beliefs are, what our foundational st statements are, I want to encourage you to go through D group. And, and if you, even if you're, if you're hesitant, if, if some of the things that I sometimes teach, it doesn't really make sense to you, it's a great place to get grounded um, in some of those things. So D group kicks off um, and all of those things. But the, if you go to the website, you'll be able to see there's marriage groups, there's craft groups there's book clubs there's all of these things will tell you exactly um, when they're going to start so Karen wanted me to be sure that I told you about this also um, I'm really excited about this but um, Keith has Keith has been faithful teaching now I don't know how many of you know a good teacher Keith is Keith, Keith is an awesome teacher. He's an anointed teacher. He's blessed. He's gifted to teach. God uses him not just in teaching, but in healing. Keith and Sue both, they know how to operate in the gifts of, of the Lord. And, and Sue operates quite prophetically and in the in gifts of healings and so on. Keith does too. And so they have been teaching for, for a number of years here um, on Saturday nights. We've called it Grounded. But we're just shifting Grounded a little bit. We're changing, we're changing pace. And we're going we're to be starting Healing University, that is put out by Andrew Womack's ministry, Healing University is kicking off on the last Sunday of January, I believe it's the 30th, and it's going to be on a Sunday now, not on Saturday, so it will surpass or, or, or replace Grounded, so for those of you who are Grounded lovers, um, know that Keith is still the moderator, Keith is going to be moderating this, but we're doing it at 5 p.m. on Sunday afternoons, Healing University is phenomenal. Um, even though it's called, got the name university, it is not an official part of the Karis curriculum if you wanted to go to Bible school, but it has all of the Karis lecturers and some more, um, and it's only, the videos are like 
30 minutes long. There are great testimonies. They are experienced ministers. They know how to teach about healing, as does Keith. But you're going to hear it from multiple perspectives, multiple gifts from the body of Christ. Um, so Sunday afternoon, it's not going to be super long, but you've got half an hour of, of video teaching. And then Keith is still here to ask questions and have conversation, talk about. There are so many topics around the topic of healing. Um, and divine healing is our bread. You know that, right? We should be able to experience, know how to access God's healing and miracles by faith. We know how to access these things in our life. They are the bread of the children. But many of us aren't well taught because we just think that it's just going to happen. If we're a child of God, then healing will just happen to us whether we wake or sleep. Because if it was God's will, I would be well. No. No, that's not how it works. And that's why we have Healing University. That's why we can learn principles on how to lay hold of the truth of God's word. And a lot of those principles go way past just healing. They go into so many areas of you. All the promises of God for us are available in very similar ways. So it will be, it will be, it's a great opportunity to receive both healing. If you've struggled in, with your health in any way, there, you can receive God's healing. You can learn more about healing in your life and so on. And also, um, uh, well, well, like I said, Keith will teach will we'll, we'll teach him. But you can also, if you're not sick and you want to learn how to minister healing, um, then come along because that will also teach you how to pray for others, how to pray, pray fully minister, uh, minister healing to others. Amen. So we're really, really excited about Healing University. It's going to be on the sign outside there. It kicks off on um, the last December. I mean, sorry, the last Sunday of January. So, um, and then there's some other things happening um, that will be kicking off, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, that next week. I just wanted to remind you too that baptism, we're going to be mentioning this for a few Sundays, but we, if you want to be water baptized and you've never been water baptized, or if you were baptized years ago and it was sort of meaningless, you don't really know what it was about and why water baptism is a commandment of the Lord. It's one of the sacraments, the two sacraments that God asked us to do in the New Testament. One was communion and one is water baptism. You only, get, you only have to be water baptized once. It's a public declaration to the world. But if you've never being water baptized, I want to encourage you, um, get your name on the list by just using the text in church number and just writing the word baptism and you'll be put on the baptism list and you'll get information and find out more about that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Amen. Hallelujah. I think that's all for now. We're going we're gonna to go into um, uh, this message that, um, that we've been talking about. I've been talking about a kingdom philosophy of life, a kingdom philosophy of life. For, um, and and I have probably, I'm trying to condense it because this is a topic that we could, we could go into um, at length and really burrow into it because it's so full, it's so packed with really, 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 really good stuff. But what I'm trying to do here is, is present this concept that I want you to catch. Do you know that there's a lot of truth that, that you need to catch? Truth isn't, isn't a fact that you need to remember. There's a difference between facts and truth <laughs> in God's way of looking at things. Facts and truth can be very opposite. It is truth that God has taken, our, by His stripes we are healed. That is truth. But a fact in your life could be that maybe you're not experiencing that. This sounds a little noisy, right? Sorry. Anyhow. But... There, but you can um, experience the truth of God. And so 
um, in, this, in, this, in this kingdom philosophy of life that we're talking about, um, there is, if you want to, you know, we, we, su- we, we love to be super practical. I love to be super practical. Uh, and and I, I want us to, to, to know that it's not just information. If, if Don't please, please, please open your heart. In fact, just close your eyes just for a second. And if you want to put your hand on your heart or your chest and just say, just with all honesty, just say, Lord, I want to know your truth. I want to experience your truth. I determine that I don't want to just play religious games or live through religious rituals trying to appease you or trying to appease a tradition that I've learned. But Lord, I want to know you. I want to experience the reality of your abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, when you open to truth, and we've, we've spoken about this, it, it takes a humble heart. It takes a teachable heart, a heart that's willing to abandon tradition. And you've heard me say a hundred times before, Jesus said that it's our traditions, it's the way we get raised, it's the way we get taught, it's the way we, we, we think are our general normals that can keep us locked in and prevent us, can disempower, disengage us from the life of God. That is a powerful and sobering statement that Jesus made. Your traditions have made the word of God to no effect. And, and like I've said before too, if you think you don't have any traditions, beware. Because we all do. We all have got standard, locked-in norms that we think are, well, everybody knows that. I know that. I just know that. But that's the very stuff that you have to be willing to let go of. If you want to walk in kingdom principle, if you will, and, and this journey that we call life, and in this, in, this, in this journey of intimacy with Jesus, this is, a, this is a growing openness that you can have, a progressive openness to say, okay, Lord Jesus, teach me, show me. And that is the walk of a disciple. I want to learn. Teach me. I want to experience. I want, I, I want to know this life. I want to see this life. And I'm willing to let go of the things that I've always accepted. I'm willing to leave those behind. And that takes courage. You're only willing to do that if you trust the one that you're following. Because we all like the comfort of what we know. That's a human nature thing. We like to stay where we are because we know it. And some of us can even want to stay where we are, even if it's really, 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 really bad. That's how people get stuck in abused relationships or abusive relationships and stay there. They stay in abusive relationships because they want to hold on to what they know because the fear of the unknown is so great that they're not willing to even let go of what they know. But when you know Jesus and you know his heart and you know the foundations of the gospel and you see that he is good and that's his glory is his goodness and you're willing to like, okay, Lord, I'm willing to take, I'm, I'm willing to step out and trust you here. Then you're willing to say, okay, teach me a new way to, and I'm willing to let go of the path, the, the old ways. It is, a, it is an essential attitude that we need to, need to have to be able to, to proceed. So in this kingdom philosophy of life, we, we, we're, we're talking about truth. And Jesus said, of course, the famous words in John 8, 32, that, that he says that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But the truth is something that you have to know, right? And you have to be a disciple to get grounded in his word to know all of that. And that you've heard me say many times, but 
please don't let it be old to you. Know that you can experience freedom. You can experience freedom when you want to know truth. Amen. Cool. So philosophy of a kingdom philosophy of life. A philosophy, again, is a lover of wisdom. If you're a philosopher, you like wisdom. And we're not talking about the worldly wisdom. We're not talking about men's, uh, uh, humanistic scientists that just don't believe in, the crea- in God. We're not talking about uh, limited science. You know, science is, I, I like science. I must be honest. I think science is awesome. Human science, though, is very limited because they're constantly making new discoveries that they've not known before. And I can tell you with, with 100% surety, true science and God line up perfectly. There's just stuff that they haven't learned yet. And if you've been, if you've done, look, the science I did in high school, and I'm not that old. The science I did in high school has been shifted. The science, there's new discoveries. But you see, they always are new discoveries. I remember not that many years ago when we, we, you know, you know, the gas prices dropped to like two, two bucks. When was it? Like last year, the year before, it was like $2 a gallon. I remember like six or seven years ago, I remember on the radio, we, when the gas prices were like really high and they were just bordering on $4 a gallon. I remember, quote unquote, experts in the field saying, we will never see these, we'll never be under $4 a gallon. We will never see under $4 a gallon. And then, guess what happened? They discovered shale oil, and we have all these reserves, and then things they never knew we would find oil. You see, we as humans, we always want to see, we don't, and then they'll say, oh, well, we didn't know that. Well, duh. There's always stuff you don't know. There's always stuff experts don't know. But we know the creator who made it all. And if we're willing to say, you, you know, I, I mentioned this in passing last week in, in, in part three, but faith is not based on just silly blindness. There's no such thing as blind faith. Faith is based, based on evidence. And I'm not going to do a faith series right now, but I, I, I will touch on that. But faith is based on fact. Science, as I said, science is going to line up. In fact, what they are touching on now in quantum science, and we're not going to go and talk about quantum physics and quantum science and all the, all the quantum aspects, but that starts sounding a lot like what God, a lot of that understanding that's coming through with Max Planck and his Nobel Prize winning discoveries about quantum theory and all of these things. These things are making a lot of what we hear in the Bible start making sense to the logical mind where the realm of physics departs because you know that quantum physics and, 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 and other physics don't quite line up. And I'm not going to start teaching quantum stuff because honestly, I don't know a whole lot about it. Just pretend I do. But no, no, no but, but, but really what I'm saying is though, humanity is limited. No matter who you go to, no matter what prize winner you go to or what, what doctor you go to, they have limited information limited information they don't have all the facts but we know that there is one god one true creator of men and the world and and he does know all of this so so philosophy a kingdom philosophy of life is 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 approaching a, a it's it's wanting to know god's wisdom and we spoke about that in part one of this thing that there are two kinds of wisdom and it's and god's wisdom is not the way of the world god's wisdom is very very different 
to the way of the world. And, and understanding, guys, the, the, it is so important to understand that there, are, there, there, there is this kingdom philosophy of life that you can choose to benefit by God's kingdom or not. Now, now this is a critical piece. Please hear me clearly. You and I can choose to live in the kingdom. Jesus came speaking, and we've gone through a lot of scriptures in the last few weeks about the kingdom. Jesus came teaching the kingdom. John the Baptist said, the kingdom is coming, the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom. Jesus said, preach this good news of the kingdom. He spoke about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, and and. Man, there's a, there's a bunch of scriptures. Even Philip goes down to the city of Samaria and he preaches the good news of the kingdom. And I, I know traditional Christianity has said, you know, whenever the kingdom is mentioned, that's just talking about in the sweet by and by. One day when you die, you can go into the glorious kingdom. But if you study the scriptures, you'll see that a lot of that has got nothing to do with in the sweet by and by. It's got to do with the here and now. You see... In fact, in, um, well, well, let me just give this in point just before I get there. It is an invisible kingdom. We mentioned that Jesus said this in, in Luke 17, verse 20, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. You can't see it with your naked eye, in other words, Jesus was saying. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you, or other translations will say, within you, entos, inside of you, inside of you. And I mentioned it's an inverted kingdom. Up is down, inside is outside. Because kingdom works from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so much of, of, uh, of traditional religion teaches you to change from the outside in. It teaches behavioral modification. It says, line up, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, and you'll be okay. Pretend that you're good. Look the part when you come to church. Smile and say, Jesus loves you, with a fake smile. Right? No, we, we don't... <laughs> But, but, you know, they try and change you from the outside in. They, they look at people on the outside. They judge people on the outside. They look at their outside stuff. They look at their outside behavior. They say, stop, act properly, do it from the outside. And then the inside will change. Fake it, in other words, until you make it. That is not a kingdom philosophy, people. Fake it until you make it is not a kingdom philosophy. Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup and the outside will be clean. He told him, you worry about the inside, you focus on the heart, and the outside will be clean. So if we learn kingdom philosophy, it is inverted. You, you, Jesus said stuff flows from the inside, outside. He said adultery isn't just because you've committed adultery outwardly. You can be an adulterer by committing it inwardly. All of those things, so many. We touched on, touched on all of those, okay? Or well, a number of those. Upside is down. You know, we, we mentioned this in, in, in Matthew 20, verse, uh, verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And, and service and servanthood, and, and Jesus came demonstrating in a very, very practical way that the greatest of the kingdom, the greatest in the kingdom is him who serves. Now, there is no leadership philosophy or very few leadership philosophies that embrace this way of doing stuff. Jesus, the Lord of all, who emptied himself of his divinity and, and of his God powers, so to speak, and came to earth 
yes, he was, he was still, he, beca- he was the Logos, eternal. He was with God in the creation, John 1 says. And he says, but he emptied himself, it tells us in Philippians 2, and made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and became obedient even to death on a cross. Jesus came and then he, he, he went so far. He went so far in this way of serving, constantly serving, even to washing feet, right? So what a, what a, what a way of, of demonstrating this kingdom, okay? And then I touched on, I said, this kingdom is unshakable. I love the fact because if you choose to participate in this kingdom, and I'll get into this in a little bit over here, but kingdom is something that you can choose to participate in or not, and I, I, will, I will explain that statement in a bit here. But this kingdom, that if you choose, if you choose, if you choose, you can participate. It is an unshakable kingdom. It isn't, it isn't, it isn't a kingdom that is um, subject to the whims of coronavirus or a world economy or tyrants that are running a particular country or not. It isn't tied to the world economy. If you choose to participate in it, you can live above it. You can live above all of these conditions. And there is so much more to unpack in this thought, but just, this is all I wanted to say. If Jesus said this in, in um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, I said, we can choose. We do choose. Whether you want to or not, the choice and your free will, and we touched on that a couple of Sundays ago, your free will is very subject. Just because you've said, I'm going to receive Jesus my Lord, your free will doesn't go out the window. You have free will. You exercise it every day. You choose to do stuff or you don't. You choose to listen or you don't. You choose to submit or you don't. You choose to walk in it or you don't. You still have free will. There is no such thing as God will just do it. No matter what I do, he's going he's to work out the details. If that is your philosophy of life, or that is your, now listen, if that is your philosophy of life, you will never be able to participate in kingdom truth. You will never. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians, a lot of believers have that their mentality and they just think, oh, well, you know, in fact, in fact, even just speaking this way, some people find it either one, so offensive or two, they think that, that if I say, I, I just, I don't want to believe that. I just don't believe that. I'm going to go to a church where they're just going to tell me everything's going to be fine. And it will be, you know, I'm not talking about whether God loves you or not. I'm not talking about whether God accepts you. God accepts you. God loves every person in the world. There is nothing that you have to do to receive or earn God's love and acceptance. Very, 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 very important. Nothing you can do can earn what God has freely given to us by grace. But it is still our choice whether we will enact faith to lay hold of some of these things and to follow Jesus' commands, if you want to call them that way, because, or, or let, me put a, let, me, let me use the word command differently. God's prescription for wholeness in life. 
I'm going to say that again. Jesus' commands, another way we can get so, we, some of us have come out of such horrible legalistic backgrounds that we think whenever Jesus says, do this, we hear, well, if we don't, God's going to punish us, which is not true, because if you understand the cross, the cross, what Jesus has done, you know that every punishment has been paid. But if he still says, listen, guys, do, do this, he is no different to you telling your child, sweetheart, please don't put your fingers on the stove. You're going to get burned. Is it a command? Well, that one was a request. But if I said, don't do that to my child, and they stick their fingers on the stove, did, did, they, did I burn their fingers? No. I, in love, gave them a boundary. I, in love, said, here, please don't do this. This is not the way you experience abundance in life. But if they chose to disobey and said, I really don't care what you said, I believe that you're trying to spoil my fun because I really don't know how good you are. So I'm going to go ahead and do what you told me not to do because I want to learn for myself. And they stick their fingers in the plug or hand on the stove or drink something deadly or do something that I told them not to do. That would be experiencing for themselves something that they could have avoided. Amen. Do you understand this? You're with me? Okay. Amen. So it's our choice to participate in this. So because, and, and one of the greatest ways or, or, or a simple way we can look at it is that also is go back to the Old Testament and look at the types, types and shadows. Now, um, types and shadows are a beautiful confirmation. I'm, you know, I, I had a Hoberman sphere here a couple of months ago. And I, 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 you know, I, love, I love the consistency of God's logic because you can look at God and, and you can look at him from all angles and it'll confirm who the character and nature of God is because he has not changed. James says that he is not like the shifting of shadows. There is no shifting of shadows. There's no changing of light. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no shadow of turning in God. If you think God has changed, that's absolutely not true. And we'll have to, we can talk a, a, some time about it. But there is no change in God. The only thing that's ever changed is how is covenants. There have been covenants that have changed. How we access, how we work, and how we understand God through a covenant is an essential way. But, but God himself has never, ever changed. Jesus was the exact representation of who God has always been. God didn't say, I'm going to send my son and I'm going to put on a good face now. And I've heard it all. I mean, oh, well, God in the Old Testament was mean and he just killed people. But in the New Testament comes Jesus and he's the sweet one. But God, the bang with the father, he's, and you know, the voice changes. And he's got the sticks on the lightning bolts and he's going to destroy and wipe out. And there are, there are truth. There is truth. There are facts that God did do certain things. And there's very, very clear explanations for it. But God, know this, has never changed. According to scripture. Okay. So, types and shadows. In, in the book, you know, there's in the, in the uh, well, some people call it the Pentateuch. The, the Hebrews or the Jewish people called it uh, the Torah. But the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Deuteronomy and Numbers. Those five books are 
have got roots of a lot of the, the concepts of how we started so when, and, uh, and how we began and how God dealt with these people. Now, it's, it's important. You think, oh, well, that's just old stuff. It's not important. No, 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 no. The New Testament teaches that stuff is for our learning. In fact, it's very important. The Exodus, um, in fact, Exodus, you, you know what the word church means, right? Ecclesia, we, we may have touched it. What does the word church mean? It means the called out ones. You and I are called out from the world. You and I are called out. So guess what happens in Exodus? The Jewish people are called out of Egypt. They come by a deliverer, Moses, which literally means deliverer, comes and sets them and takes them on a journey. They go into, quote unquote, they don't go straight into the promised land. They go into Sinai. So they go through, they go through uh, the Red Sea. They go through to Sinai. They experience these things. Now, the Bible says that those are all types and shadows for our learning. There, there are, in fact, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If, listen to this. I'm going to read some verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. This is, this is New Testament, right? Our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things, look at verse 6. Now these things, I'm going to say it again. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. But we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Listen to this, verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore... Let anyone who thinks that he is take is stands, um, sorry, who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Now that's something to pensively meditate on. It was all for our teaching. It was all for us to lay hold of. Do you see that? Did you hear how many? times we see here this is this is paul the same one who wrote all of this new good news and whose revelation of his gospel has set us free this is the same paul writing to the corinthians and saying guys lest we fail to enter lest we fail to do this lest we fail to do that these were for our for our warning um in hebrews chapter 4 so in, in the first corinthians 10, 10 and in hebrews chapter 4 very similarly so i'm going to just pick out but in hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 therefore while the promise of entering his rest still stands let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it for the good news came to us just as to them but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith of those who listen it's talking in chapter 3 and 4 of hebrews is exactly the same thing it's saying guys these guys were called out of egypt they went into the wilderness, I've heard 
and I, I don't know how to verify that, but between Sinai, the, the Sinai experience on, on, in, in getting the Ten Commandments to the Promised Land, they could have been there in 12 days. 12 days. And they did get there, except they failed to enter. And Hebrews 3 and 4 teaches us why. It says, they failed to enter the rest. They failed to enter what was promised because they did not combine the promise with faith. And then the warning to us is, brothers, let's, let's learn from this example. This is New Testament, people. Let's learn from this example, lest we also fail to enter what was promised. Do you see? If we don't, we won't enter the promise. You see, I believe the promised land is a type of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Remember when they got to the promised land, were there giants in the land? Yes, there were giants in the land. But was there provision in the land? Yes. At first they had... They had lands that they, you know, uh, crops that they didn't plant, vineyards that they didn't grow. They, they had those massive grapes. They, they had a land flowing, quote-unquote, with milk and honey. But they didn't get what they did in the promised land, in the, in the wilderness. Remember, in the, in the wilderness, they, sure, they had a cloud by day, and they, you know, the cloud by day and the, the pillar of fire by night, and, and they had um, these miracles of, of uh, the quail flying in and manna, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's all this, this wonderful, quote unquote, provision, but they're still in the wilderness. Where we are not designed to live by miracles. We are designed to live by kingdom principles. I'm going to say it again. You and I are not designed to live by miracles. We are designed to live in kingdom principles. Does that mean that miracles can't happen? Oh, absolutely we can. Does that mean that we shouldn't be able to minister uh, miraculous healings and things to people? Oh, absolutely we can. But I'm, I'm saying that if you think that you have to keep believing God for a miracle in your health, in a miracle in your finances, and a miracle in this, then you're not living by kingdom principles. Because if you live, you, are, you and I are called to live in divine health, where we don't get to a place where we need a miracle. We are called to live in divine prosperity. When we have so much prosperity, we are like Abraham. We have more than enough to share with people. Not, can, does that can mean that we can, cannot receive a miracle? Absolutely we can. It's always available. So don't let this be some kind of a condemnation to you in any shape, form, or fashion. But, but we see these warnings in the New Testament saying, guys, learn. Learn. And it teaches us. And I, and, and I, and I really, I didn't want to spend the, this whole message on that, but I wanted to point out something to you about this kingdom. Kingdom is what we're called to. We are called out of Egypt the world system. We are called to go through this experience, get our, our baptisms, water, and be baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're called to go through our baptisms. These are, these are types and shadows. We are called into a kingdom that is going to take faith according to Hebrews 3 and 4. And I've touched on a number of those script, script, uh, scriptures. In fact, um, look, look at Hebrews 3 verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient, would we see that they were unable to enter because of 
unbelief. And in, verse, in, in chapter 4, verse 6, Since then it remained for certain to enter it, and those who did hear the good news entered not. I, I changed the version of here. I'll tell you why. Um, in the next one, did we have Young's literal there, um, Rochelle, in ver, uh, Hebrews 4, 6? Okay, never mind. I, but let me listen to this. this. You can keep this one on here. He, look at the ESV, the English Standard Versions, NIV, and a lot of them. You see that word over there at the end? Uh, let's start there again. Since therefore it remains for some to enter... To those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Now that word disobedience is apatheia if you look it up in Greek. And the Young's literal translates it as unbelief. They were failed to enter because of unbelief. That word can be interpreted both ways. But it's talking in context if you read sit down and read Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 together. It's saying you've got to take the promise and you've got to combine it with faith or otherwise you won't enter rest. You won't be able to receive what is promised. I don't know about you. Do you want what is promised? Do you want to experience the promises of God? I, I know I want to. So therefore, We've, we should learn from this. And in, in verse 11, it's very similar um, of that same chapter. It says, um, and in, I'm reading it on the Young's Literal. May we be diligent then to enter into that rest, that no one in the same example of the unbelief may fail. So unbelief or the lack of applying, uh, the lack of not hearing God's word can cause you to fail to enter into kingdom. Okay, now let me say it again in case you missed me earlier. I'm not talking about going to heaven. You, if, yes, everybody does need to believe at first. By grace, we've been saved through faith. So there is, a, there is a faith to receive our eternal salvation. But I'm not talking about eternal salvation here. I'm talking about living in these kingdom principles. Amen? Okay, so this unshakable kingdom, this inverted kingdom, up is down, inside is, is out. All, all of, these, all of these, these kingdoms, this invisible kingdom. Jesus said this kingdom is within you. Okay, now, now, now we, we, I touched on this before. The laws, there's laws in this kingdom that are very different, but, but we see them assembled out, uh, resembled in nature too. But for example, um, and I touched on this just very briefly last week, I just wanted to get a little deeper into it. The, there are laws on how this kingdom works. And if you want to benefit by in this kingdom, you have to know how the laws of the kingdom work. It's just as simple as that. There, it, it, it's, we've spoken right, right in the beginning. It's like cricket and, and uh, uh, baseball, very different games. They each have bats, which look different. They have different rules. They have different game rules. And if you are trying to understand or play the one with the other's one's understanding, it's very confusing. The same with rugby and football. We have cricket and rugby in, America, in South Africa and a lot of the, the English um, you know, com Commonwealth countries. But America has baseball and football. Very two, I mean, two very contrasting games that have outward similarities at first. But the rules are totally different. And you cannot play the one game with on the other's rules. It just doesn't work. It's the same while we are in this world... We have been called out from this world, this world system. That doesn't mean that you go and get into a monastery and sit in Tibet and, 
you know, do this all day. That's not being called out of the world. Being called out of the world is coming out of this world system, the way this world operates, the way this world thinks, the way this world behaves, the way this world loves, the way all of these things have changed. If you want to walk in this world, I mean in this, in this kingdom, you're with me, right? You're tracking. Okay, so some laws. The universal law of sowing and reaping. Powerful, powerful truth. Powerful truth. When you understand the law of sowing and reaping. Okay? So you get the law of the seed, which is this. Every seed bears after its own kind. Say that with me. Every seed bears after its own kind. Now that happened in Genesis. And you've heard other preachers probably say something like this. If I plant an apple seed and I'm going to get oranges... No, everything is going to bear after its own kind. But there is the principle, that is, every, so, so understand that. Then there's also quality and quantity. Quality, to get a good crop, I must plant good seed into good soil to produce a good crop. I'm going to say it again, quality. If you want a quality crop in the kingdom, good seed into good soil will equal a good crop. It's not rocket science. We see these things in life. If you sow into, into a thing, you're going, to get it, you're going to get good back. Quality and then quantity. You get back in proportion. You get back in proportion to how much you sow. I'm going to say it again. You get back in proportion to what you sow, but you get good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So let's take an apple seed. How many, um, how many seeds, would anyone care to guess, how many seeds are in an apple? Anybody know? Five, they say, between five and eight seeds in a typical apple. Five and eight seeds in a typical apple. So let me ask you a question. If I planted an apple seed, do I just get one apple seed back? What do I, what do I get? Do I just get one apple back? I get a whole tree back. Does anybody know what an average apple tree produces? Anybody care to guess? What is the average lifespan of an apple tree, a producing apple tree? Do you know that it takes five years before an apple tree starts bearing fruit? Time. Have you ever heard of seed, time, and harvest? Time. We don't like that one in this instant world. Time, time. Anything you plant takes time. Time. Well, it didn't work. I prayed and it didn't supposed to come. Seed, time, and harvest. Five years before an apple tree will, before it produces fruit. But once it starts producing fruit, 15 to 20 years of production roughly. So let's go on the east. So say it's only 15 years of production. They say that up to 500 apples per season. We're talking about one tree. 500 times 15. One seed produces one apple tree, which produces years of harvest. 
So God's way, God's economy, God's kingdom economy isn't one seed and maybe you get a couple seeds back. If you know how to work kingdom principles and understand quality and quantity of seed, you know that Jesus, when he gave the parable of the sower, and he said, listen, you've, you, I've taught on this extensively because it is a fundamental, fundamental parable. There is so much packed into that parable. Because there's another law that you see in that. You see the law of the seed. You see the law of quality and quantity. You see the law of the soil. The law of the soil. And as you've heard me teach, what is the soil? Our heart. You are the one who determines your heart, the quality of your heart. You are the one who determines, one, if the seed will find shallow soil or, or barely not even get into the soil. You are the one who determines whether the, soil, whether the seed gets watered. You are the one who determines whether you will um, uh, prune, you will weed. All of that is in the law of the soil. So, <laughs> in this kingdom things, what are, what are we sowing? Well, I'm not going to go to the obvious one about money because we'll touch on that second after, after that. But I touched on it in Luke 6. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. For with the measure you use. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. no. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be given... Uh, will be given to you good sorry will be put into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you man sorry i started at verse 37 and i thought confused myself here but that is power because you know that most people who teach finances how many of you have said given it'll be given to you good measure pressed down that scripture has got nothing to do with money luke 6 Verse 38 has got nothing to do with money. It's talking about judgment, condemnation. If you go back to the previous verse, Rochelle, it, judgment, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So those are things that you sow and reap. If you don't want condemnation, then don't condemn. If you don't want to be judged, and have a good measure pressed down, shaken together, poured into your lap, then don't judge others. But if you want to experience the forgiveness of others when you mess up, forgive others. That's what the context of that scripture is talking about. It's not talking about finances in that scripture. Shannon, are you saying that we shouldn't? No, absolutely. The Bible is very clear about finances as well. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, there is a, it's phenomenal because it's very much talking about finances. Same principle. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together are going to be poured back into your life. With the, in, in 2 Corinthians, I think it is in 8, it says, with the measure you use will be measured back to you. In other words, if you use a little scoop when it comes to, I'm going to give a little bit of money. I'm going to use this little scoop. And if you give it, and, and in, I don't have the, the time to do it justice. But, but you, you, but, but that whole passage is actually talking less about money, listen to me carefully, and more about generosity. It's talking about the grace of generosity. There's a big difference because generosity can be applied, yes, to money, but it can be, it's, a, it's an attitude of generosity towards people. 
You can have a mingy, stingy attitude, and that talk goes right back to what the Bible talks about, the eye. If your eye is evil, that's actually talking about stinginess. When Proverbs talks about eye, a stingy man don't desire his, his wares. Because it'll make you, if you eat what he offers you, if you take from a stingy man, it's good. even what you've eaten, you will throw up. That's what Proverbs teaches. So, but 2 Corinthians 8 is talking about this generosity. And he's saying, listen, guys, as soon, you guys are abounding in all these graces and all the love. And that's fantastic. He says, but the Macedonians, they, even though they were poor, they abounded in this grace of giving. While they were poor, they gave generously. You should, be, you should learn from that access this grace of generosity it's a grace it's a power of god that operates within us but but the principle is sound that he says listen if you give with you give with a mingy little measure that's what you're going to get back that's all so so again i'm taking a step back out zoom out just a notch or two kingdom principles the laws of sowing and reaping kinds of seed quality quantity of harvest the seed the quant the, the 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 laws of generosity okay you're with me okay okay then then i want to wrap up with this one today kingdom language their language of the kingdom there is a language of the kingdom and if you don't understand the language of the kingdom you will misunderstand every passage of scripture you will misunderstand me you will misunderstand every preacher because you will not have the right ears on there is a language in the kingdom it's so easy to misunderstand it now i've used this illustration forgive me if you're you've heard it before but that's okay it won't hurt you um I'm bilingual. I, I learned Afrikaans growing up. I went to an, an Afrikaans uh, kindergarten. And so we, Corin and I both had, we were in English and Afrikaans schools. So we, you know, Henk and Janine, uh, they grew up in an Afrikaans first language home, if you know Henk and Janine. And so they, they are, uh, where Corin and I both come from, English speaking first language homes, but we both learned both languages because they were the two official languages well, at the time we were at school. South Africa has... 12 or 13 official languages, if you can believe that. Yes, official languages. So you've got Zulu and Kosa and Sutu and Pedi and, and Venda and, uh, gosh, I can't remember, Ndebele. There's, there's all these, these other African languages in the countries that we don't. And, and we did, like Corin's dad, John, um, Corin's father, he learned Zulu before he could speak English because he was raised on a farm. And so John, my, my father-in-law, Corin's dad, could, could speak, he speaks Zulu like a Zulu. When he is, it was so fun to watch him on the farm because he could speak Zulu fluent. I, I know a couple Zulu words. And over the years in Africa, I definitely learned some Zulu words. Uh, I learned some um, um, Sutu words and I've, uh, I've learned some Tswana words. In fact, if you've ever heard of the country, Botswana, Botswana means the place of the Tswanas. And Tswana, I had my, one of my good friends was a Tswana. One of the most famous phrases, you may, a Tswana phrase that you may know is, Hakuna Matata. Have you ever heard of Hakuna Matata? That is a Tswana phrase. And I grew up, I know what Hakuna Matata means because a Matata is a problem. If you have a Matata, it's a problem. Hakuna means no, there is nothing. So really the word Hakuna Matata is it's, it's no problem. No problem. That's, that's really what the phrase Hakuna Matata means. So it's a, but, but you see languages in South Africa where you have these different, you get, you get, uh, you, you, I would pull up, you know, you, you see um, a lot of, power stations 
um, I would see this, you know, you know, these little power substations would have big danger warnings because they would say, don't jump over the fence because there's high voltage on the other side. And so typically they would put the, the, the most danger signs they would have them in three languages, at least um, they were typically English, Afrikaans, and Zulu. And, and so, um, you know, danger, gefaar, which is very similar to the German and Dutch because it's the Afrikaans derivative. And then, of course, in, in Zulu, the word is Ngozi. Ngozi is, is danger. And I remember, I remember this fascinating experience because I pulled up to um, a person's house one day and they had a dog that was, which was a, a bitey kind of dog, a big, dangerous dog. And, and, um, and sometimes the, the Afrikaans word is pasop, which means be careful. Pasop is in Afrikaans, which is just beware, be careful. So um, I, was, I was looking at the sign and it was, I had this weird thing happen in my brain. I got cross-wired because I read Ngozi, which is the Zulu word, like danger, and my brain understood it, Ngozi. I read, I read the word Khafar, then I, I, word, I read the word Khafar, which is the Afrikaans word, but in, somehow my wires got crossed, and I thought that I had read it in English, because English and Afrikaans, can, I can flip between them a little bit, so I was like Khafar, yeah, got that. And then I tried to read this word, in English, and, uh, or, and I was like, in Afrikaans, I tried to read, read this word in Afrikaans, and I was like, Danger, what is Danger? And I was perplexed for a couple minutes, like thinking, I've never heard of this word, Danger, before. Man, I went to an Afrikaans buster, and I said, what is this word, Danger? I felt really stupid when I realized later that it was the word danger. Now, even today, Karen and I will flip up. Sometimes she will, she, will, she will flip onto Afrikaans, like she'll start saying something in Afrikaans because it's a secret for the kids, maybe, whatever. <laughs> but, or, or she will just say something in Afrikaans. I understand Afrikaans, but my brain listens and hears it in English. And I'll be like, what did you just say? My brain wasn't tuned into Afrikaans. Listen to what I'm saying. There is a language in the kingdom. If you think that God is judgmental and cruel and wicked and has it in for you, and he is speaking the language of love, you will not understand him. He speaks a language of love. He speaks a language of sonship. He speaks to you like a son. But you know what we often hear? We listen in the language of condemnation. We listen in the language of slavery. We listen in the language of being dominated by a dominion. We listen in the wrong language because we don't know what language he speaks. And so we misinterpret things because there is a language that we need to understand. That's why when we, I've, you, you know we teach so much on the love of God. We teach extensively because it is the foundation of foundations. Ephesians, uh, in, chapter th in chapter 3 of Ephesians, of course, says that. Um, I, I just want to flip down to, to verse 17, but there's so much in Ephesians 3 about that. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in love may have power or strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullness of God. There, 
First John chapter 4, which we often visit because we, we labor this point. It is so important for us to be persuaded. Listen, I, I know, again, facts and knowledge. We can hear, oh, God loves me. Oh, that's nice. God loves me. And, and it can really be a trite saying, an informational thing where you can, you know, like you're going to get quizzed next week and somebody's going to say, is God love or is God judgment? You're going to say, oh, well, he is love because I've heard that. But do you know that you know? Are your, is your heart persuaded? Uh, let, let me put it this way. When something goes awry in your life and a massive tragedy happens to you, who do you blame? Because if your, if your default is to go back and say, I don't know why God's doing this to me, then you do not know the love of God and you are not following kingdom language. I, I, I can speak from personal first-hand experience. But when you know God, that, that's not who he is. That is not his character. That you've learned, you've matured a little bit. You've got rooted and grounded in his love. You understand how he speaks and how he talks. Then, then you understand when any, it doesn't matter what tragedy comes. It'll, it could be a massive tragedy and you'll say, this is not from God. But you see, we can be so caught up in all that stuff I told you about. God is in control and all those poisonous beliefs that we haven't yet left. We've, we have still got that bit of Egypt in us. So this kingdom is so important. And is, it is the realm, the realm of the kingdom is a wonderful place to be. Because you don't feel condemnation, ever. Sure, you can screw up, and we all do. Sorry, I'm, I don't supposed to. Sure, we can mess up. But you don't feel condemned because your father, you know your father is for you. He's not against you. You know there's therefore now no condemnation for them that love you. Amen. We will walk in this kingdom amen but it is our choice because it takes you deciding that you want to participate in the kingdom and how you're going to step into that i want to invite you on this journey because it is a lifelong journey it is a lifelong journey you don't arrive in one sense straight away but you can participate in this if you choose to to lay hold of by faith these wonderful things there's a language. He loves you. He speaks to you. He will always speak to you in the language of love. I can tell you that he, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. That, there is so much stuff that happens to us. And I, I'll, it, that, and let me just tell you, it's not the devil most of the time. I know we want to blame him. But you know what? Jesus, we live in a fallen world. Now, there is a devil and we are not unaware of his devices and we can deal with that another time. But we are so apt to want to put the blame on either God or the devil and say, it God allowed it or the devil did it. Because it doesn't mean that, it doesn't, it, I don't have to step into this realm of listening to God. I don't have to step into this realm of putting in kingdom principle. Amen. We, you and I, brothers and sisters, I tell you what, this is an exciting, exciting time. It really is. We, we're, we're on, we'll, but we 
have got the choice of stepping into kingdom principles and walking this out. You can, you and I can see supernatural growth, supernatural participation, supernatural healing, all of these things because we are walking in these, these things. But there, so what I'm trying to, in, in a very, very sort of condensed way, do you hear that there is a kingdom? And this kingdom is a matter of choice. That's what I want. I feel that it is something that you get to choose. Amen. Um, let's just pray. Father, thank you. For a second here, just as we wrap this up. Ask yourself the question, what does it mean to you? Do you, would you want to remain in a place where you can um, have the comfort, even albeit false, false comfort of blaming somebody else? Or would you want to take back the power? Would you want to take a position of authority in the kingdom? You are called as a child of God with an inheritance. So what is it that, where is it that you want to live? Will you dare believe his love for you? Will you, will you commit to the Lord who is the king of this kingdom? Because you can only walk in this kingdom under his lordship. You can only, you can only see this kingdom, Jesus said, when you're born again. Being born again doesn't give you access to the kingdom of God. It gives, you, it gives you the ability to perceive it. But it's a choice to whether you will walk in it. It is a choice whether you will perceive it. All right, to receive it. So really, the choice is yours. And it will be a choice today. It'll be a choice tomorrow. It'll be a choice when you're 120 years old. Every day will be a choice. But I can tell you what, God is for you. He is a good shepherd. He is leading you. He will lead you beside still waters. He will lead you into green pastures. He will set a table for you in the presence of your enemy. Will trouble come by? Most assuredly, yes. Trouble will come by. Trouble will strike. Trouble will hurt. But guess what? He has overcome the world. There are kingdom principles that we can know to one, see it, avoid it sometimes. Sometimes we can't do either. Sometimes we've just got to go through it and he will never leave us or forsake us. Never leave us. Never leave you or forsake you. He will always be calling you in love. He will never leave you alone. No matter how lonely you are tempted to feel, he will never leave you, never leave you alone, never. Father, we thank you that we receive these things. Thank you, Father, that the seed of your incorruptible word, we, we use the law of the soil right now because that's the one law we have choice over. We choose to hear your word. We choose to, to catch it in our hearts. We choose to bury it in our hearts. We choose to water it. 
Father, I pray too that we identify the things that choke the worm because of the world, the worries, the deceitfulness of other things and riches and stuff from choking the word. Lord, we, we, we are aware of that and we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our helper through all of this. You're our helper and teacher. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. Now this morning, if you don't know the Holy Spirit as your helper and you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come and talk to what our prayer ministers afterwards. And if you've never received Jesus, then please do that. Amen. Please come up front um, and to, our, to these, these wonderful couples who know how to minister to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you all, thank you for coming today. I know I went a little bit longer than I'd, I'd hoped, but uh, thanks for your patience. I trust you. Well, this is the end of the year. This is the end of this year. You know, we're going to do this, um, this, this little, this communion thing on, on Friday night. Um, if you want to jump in, feel free to. No, no condemnation if you don't want to be here. If you've got stuff happening, I just like to do that. So I just wanted to give you the opportunity to jump in with us if you like. Um, so, um, yeah, the rest of it, we'll, we'll tell you more about what's coming. But if you want to check out the life groups and you can put your name down for life groups, just go to the lakehaven.tv site, our website. And check out our life groups. Get to know one another. Be part of the body. We love you guys. Have a great rest of the week. Amen.